Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome, welcome to Gridiron Blitz, uh, episode 407, Oscar Lopez in the house, alongside the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis. We're going to be talking college football today. We're going to be breaking down everything that's happening uh, in the Alabama-Georgia, get some reaction here with the Hall of Famer, breaking it down from yesterday's big event as Georgia takes down Alabama in what we had considered the biggest game after Georgia had fallen during the regular end of the season. Now this was a must-win. The defense stood out, so we're going to talk about it here. But we're going to have two guests on tonight in the Monkey Knife Fight huddle. Uh, We're going to be chatting with Steve Guinan, the writer of the We Are the Troopers book, and also the uh, person uh, involved with the perfect season of the Toledo Troopers documentary. And then also followed uh, the second interview, we're going to have the talented Marissa Lopez, quarterback of the LA Black Storm, uh, talking X-League 2022 as we get uh, ready for the summer. Uh, And we're going to be breaking down uh, everything at the hub in terms of the WFA, Gridiron West. We're going to review the Pacific Conference WNFC 22 schedule with the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, in the second hour. And we're also going to, 30 minutes of the podcast, we're going to recap the NFL Week 18 key games, wildcard weekend playoffs, matchups with the Salty One, Mackenzie Brooks, and uh, also Nate Ward. So uh, if you don't follow us, follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. You get the latest uh, NFL updates on there, plus Women's American Football News. You can subscribe to our podcast uh, on any platform, but Appreciate it if you uh, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and iHeart. Over 400 episodes there. You get the link right there at the hub at the promo link as well. You can sign up for Monkey Night Fight during the uh, end of the NFL season, plus NBA going on nightly. Use the code NJF. You get a $5 free play up to a $100 match. You go to monkeynightfight.com and use the code NJF. So let's bring in the Hall of Famer here in the house, Holly Custis. So we're Holly. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, what did you thought of the game yesterday? We were like tweeting back and forth, and wow, the first half was interesting, but the second half, man, Georgia just got going. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> going into this matchup, mm-hmm. um, the reason why Alabama won uh, earlier in the SEC championship uh, was because they were able to throw the ball. And this is kind of a uh, a tell of two different styles of football. Uh, Alabama typically has had a strong running game in the past, but this year it's been pretty inconsistent, and their main bell cow has really been Bryce Young and, you know, 
uh, Mechie, Williams, and a couple other receivers. Uh, but they're, they're down uh, a lot of those receivers due to injury. And in the middle of the game, they lost Williams. And so I think that really hurt Alabama's offense. Uh, Georgia's front seven is so strong, and so Alabama knew that they weren't going to be able to run the ball <clears throat> well going into the game. And so I think that their their strategy was probably similar to the first game where they were going to have to run the ball if needed from time to time, but their advantage really was trying to attack the Georgia secondary. They did it a couple of times, but it wasn't consistent enough. And so Georgia, on the other hand, you know, this – style of football that Georgia plays, they're built to, uh, you know, uh, win in the trenches with their defensive line and their offensive line. Um, they typically run the ball pretty well. They're not built to get in a, a, you know, like an air raid shootout sort of game. So that's why Alabama, I think, was so successful the first game. Um, but Georgia was able to kind of control the style, the flow of the game, the clock, and they kind of had, they kind of forced Alabama to play their style. And so for me, going into the game, I thought, you know, it's either going to be one or two, one of two scenarios. You're either going to have Alabama kind of run away with it like they did the first game, or Georgia's going to hold it close and <clears throat> make it kind of ugly initially uh, to pull it out. Um, but I got to tell you that uh, pick six that Georgia had late. That that's what that's what college football is all about. That's the play that you know Georgia fans are going to be playing like twenty twenty five years from now, you know, on their um, jumbotron before every game. Like that play was awesome, and uh, it was really cool to watch the reaction of the Georgia players. Um, you know, Alabama is still a really good team, but I just felt like Georgia. This was their year. And so it was a fun game to watch. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I really uh, – that one throw, man, from uh, Setson at the end, uh, towards the end there, I mean, that I think solidifies exactly uh, when they ended up taking control. That's a, that was a big play. Yes. It kind of turned everything around. Um, it really made – you know, kind of make you think, okay, yeah, this is Georgia's time, right, in that sense? Oh, definitely. You know, and I said when we were messaging – uh, Georgia, I know that they're mainly a run for team, but I knew if they want to win this game, they're going to have to hit a couple of throws deep. Um, and, you know, since Bennett, um, he, you know, he, he did it. Like, he, he pulled through. Um, and that was kind of the question mark going in was, uh, you know, I've heard there's always been a little bit of clamoring to put maybe JT Daniels back in because, JT is more of a natural passer, I think, than, than uh, Bennett is. But I think Bennett has a lot of leadership qualities. He, he has a definite presence about him that I think his team responds to. So <clears throat> he was able to hit those passes when he needed to. And, um, you know, I think he, you know, it's a really good story with him. I don't know if a lot of people know, but he grew up a Georgia fan. This is kind of his dream school. He kind of had to get here the back door. He wasn't really recruited. I believe he was a JUCO guy, too. He got to Georgia. He was, like, third or fourth on the depth chart. He was just kind of hanging around. And I think, if I remember correctly, they kind of used him at one point because they weren't quite sure. Um, they were kind of rotating guys due to injuries, and they, can't, they couldn't figure out last year kind of 
where to go, and even into this year at times. But he proved that he, you know, he earned this win, I think, and submitted himself to Georgia history. All right. So it's been, uh, what, 41 years uh, for um, for me, you, and some other people. It's been since, uh, what, the Jimmy Carter presidency, school on ice, U.S. versus Russia, uh, Star Wars Episode Five. Okay, I'm just it's I'm getting too old. <laughs> sounding act old. <laughs> uh, Pac-Man, <laughs> the hype of Pac-Man. <laughs> uh, so a long time for Georgia, Georgia fans or Georgia, you know, football to be relevant even on the national stage. Yeah, you know, Georgia's had some moments where their teams have been good, you know, and. They just haven't ever been able to be Alabama, and that's been a problem. Alabama's kind of been the, the monkey on their back, especially, uh, you know, during this uh, Nick Saban era. Is uh, I think Kirby Smart going into this game was like 0-6 or 0-7 or something like that against uh, Nick mm-hmm. Saban. And so even when Georgia has been good, and you'd be like, oh, okay, Georgia's going to be relevant this year, you know, they just can't seem they can't seem to beat Alabama, and so this I think is a psychological moment for for Georgia. Now going into next year, it's going to be very interesting because um, a lot of their defensive uh, strong defensive players were seniors or juniors that are probably leaving. So you're going to see Georgia is still going to be a really strong team, but I'm curious to see how they rebuild this defense. Because I think the defense is probably one of the best defenses college football has ever seen. So how do you how do you build upon that? So that's going to be interesting because that's kind of been the Alabama MO is Saban's being able to, to bring in these classes of recruits and he just plugs them in and plugs them in. And, you know, like this is, quote, unquote, a down year for Alabama because they didn't win the national championship. But, you know, next year they're going to be the front runner again. Like, that's how Alabama is. So if Georgia wants to get on the national stage like Alabama every year, they got to, uh, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy the win, and then get back to work and try to rebuild for next year um, because it's going to start all over. Now, uh, we talked about the portal. We talked about all the other things. Where do you think uh, Coach uh, Kirby stands at this point? I mean, is he going to lose some players? Do you think he's going to pick up? a couple more pieces to kind of stay relevant in in, in this uh, SEC, you know, or in the top four in terms of, like, you know, powerhouses? Yeah, I think, you know, from what I've seen in the last couple of years, Georgia is still recruiting very well. Um, but I think, you know, since you're losing so much uh, experience on the defense, I wouldn't be surprised if they plug in um, – because they did that this year, I believe. They took a couple of transfer guys and plugged them in. So I can see them – using some of their young guys next year and maybe filling in the gaps um, with more experienced guys in the, in the portal, I think they're going to be just fine. You know, um, as an Oregon fan, I'm excited to take uh, landing away from them. That will, you know, if Oregon can build anywhere halfway a defense like this, then I'm going to be really excited. But for Georgia, you know, I think they're going to be just fine. Um, as we know, you know, when you're recruiting kids who are like 17, 18 years old, winning matters. So the more you win, that's that's why Alabama is so good. They win, they win, then they go out, and then they can get the best recruits, and then they win again. It's a cycle, right? So I think uh, as long as Georgia and Kirby Smart are uh, intelligent about how they leverage this, 
I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I I, I think the same because uh, I mean his pedigree comes from Alabama, so it makes it makes sense that he's right there in in terms of like being in the mix for you know competitive with this former coach. Really makes it makes it really exciting. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I don't know how much longer Saban will go. You know, I was talking uh, to my wife when we were watching the game, and I was like, I just have this feeling. I don't know how much longer he has because you, you can see it's starting to wear on him a little bit. You know, um, he. Um, I don't know how much longer Saban has, and so at some point, if you're Herbie and you're like, okay, you know, Saban can't be there forever. <laughs> You know, so I think Kirby's hoping maybe maybe I can take that baton um, in the SEC. But, you know, as we know, with the new dynamic of the Wild Wild West and, um, you know, with the portal and the NIL deals and all that, it's going to be absolutely insane the next couple of years especially. Um, it seems the last I heard that they haven't – they weren't able to come to – uh, a conclusion on expansion for the playoff quite yet. Um, so that's still kind of hanging out there, but it's going to be crazy the next few years, I think. Yeah, I think the same. Uh, Cincinnati being in the mix, Polly, I think it was one of those surprising things, but I think more than one team should get to that next level as well to be competitive. So we always we were looking at the top 10 about who's going to get in and who's going to take advantage of that. And, so I think that they're going to grow as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how Cincinnati evolves. Yeah, I want to – like my big question mark for the future of football, of college football, is that I really think what's going to end up happening um, is when they eventually expand the playoffs, if you combine that with the um, portal, which is basically the you know their version of free agency, you combine that with the NIL deals, I think because what's been the last 20, 25, 30 years, you know, we're talking about talent pool in Alabama pulling that talent. I think the talent's going to spread out more because you won't have to go to Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State or those top four or five places. You can go other places, get exposure, get to the league, get paid, win games, get into the players. You can do all of those things at other places. So I'm curious to see will the you know the old regime so to speak you know the top five to ten programs are those programs still going to be the top five or ten programs when these changes happen or is that going to spread out and we're going to be more like the NFL where there's going to be more parity so that's the big question I think uh, for the future of college football. I agree. I think it's going to be kind of key to see what we where we end up next year, and then especially with the portal, as we talked about before, how that's going to affect everything in terms of the Power Five and then whether the top ten, uh, whether Notre Dame's going to get into any actual conference finally. So it's a lot of question marks in terms of that. All right, we're going to go into the uh, Monkey Knife Fight huddle. So if you guys haven't gone over to Monkey Knife Fight, check it out. NFL at the end here, playoffs, wild card, you can still play. It's easy props. It's pretty easy. $5 free play on us, up to $100 match. Go to monkeyknife5.com, use the code NJF. So we're going to go into the Monkey Knife Huddle here with the uh, t- uh, the Toledo Troopers. We are the Toledo Troopers uh, documentary writer uh, for the book and also a uh, for the Perfect Season documentary. 
and that would be uh, Steve Guinan. is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, uh, Steve, how's it going tonight? Thanks for making the time with us. Uh, you're on with Oscar Lopez and Holly Custis. Hi, Oscar and Holly. Thanks so much for having me. Steve, uh, kind of excited to, to have the release of the book here. Uh, I believe it's August 30th as we were uh, messaging back on Twitter and back and forth. But uh, uh, what an endeavor for you as well. Um, we've had other uh, guests here that have documented the NWFL as well, like Hell Mary and other books that have come out. So yours being obviously the more uh, relevant one that we've uh, you know, focused on, especially with the Toledo Troopers having all the fanfare and things like that. So uh, tell us a little bit about you and how you got started with this project. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, first off, Hail Mary is an awesome book. I, I heard that show that you guys uh, did with uh, Lindsay. Uh, Brittany couldn't make it, but, uh, yes, your listeners should go out and get that book. It's, it's a great introduction to the National Women's Football League of the 70s. Uh, and, um, you know, it generally – I just love that episode. Uh, Lindsay's a terrific uh, uh, writer, and, and, you know, I don't know who, who follows college basketball or, or women's basketball, uh, you know, better than, than uh, Lindsay. But um, so, uh, yeah, the book, you know, it kind of comes out in a little bit after, you know, after you read Hail Mary, uh, uh, We Are the Troopers would be the next step, and so you can get your pre-orders in now. Uh, I grew up in Toledo and in the 70s, and there were three media outlets, there were three television stations, and there was the Toledo Blade. And the Blade gave this team from Toledo just an, a, a lot of coverage. Uh, the writer Tom Loomis and uh, John Bergener uh, did, you know, covered the team. And, and so, you know, my dad was a, a sports fan, football fan, and and uh, he'd leave the newspapers around, and I'd say, "Who's this? Who's this team? What's what's this team?" And and they were on the news too. They're on the uh, uh, um, you know Oris Tabner Toledo Eleven News would would cover little bits about them when they were you know playing championships. And uh, and, and and he said, uh, you know, they're they're <laughs> they're the best team in the country. The you know the Toledo Troopers. I'm like, wow, how about that? And then. And then just like that, they disappeared. Like the league was gone, and there was no, there was no moratorium. There was no like you know, there was no uh, like a, a, a eulogy for the for the league. It just was gone. It was just suddenly like erased, and it was like more suddenly a thing that had once happened that like you weren't really sure about did it even happen in the first place. And then by chance, I met um, a guy who was sitting across from me at the lunch table and said he said his dad was the winningest coach in pro football history and i said who who are you like don shula or something and and he said uh no uh my my dad was bill stout he was the coach of the toledo troopers and 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 at that point and like oh my god you were them that was you he was the water boy of course so um you know i became friends with guy and through guy i met bill stout and the coach and um, you know, a lot of time went by, life went by, and then um, I, you know, I'd, I'd written about this in various various ways. Um, 
growing up, I, my background is in fiction writing and uh, non, some creative nonfiction writing, and I was writing about little pieces here and there. But in, in, uh, I, I also have written screenplays, and uh, I made the mis- I shouldn't say the mistake, but I, we endeavored to write a screenplay uh, that is about their story because as many people have noted, the Troopers is the league of their own meets Remember the Titans. It's this right. sort of like forgotten history, and it's women doing things in a men's milieu, and they're just kicking ass as they do it, and it's it's this thing that I kind of had been carrying around forever. So let's tell the story. Um, and the, that, that turned into Perfect Season, which is a screenplay still in development, and certainly, hopefully one day, you know, we'll be able to see that. Um, but then I also started writing the book uh, after meeting – Uh, doing the research and starting meeting the players. And that process has been really, really uh, amazing to meet uh, so many of the players and to hear their stories. And I think Lindsay and Brittany would agree. Like, like, like it meant, I I, I say like this to people, like I've never met a Super Bowl champion. You know, I've never met Tom Brady or Terry Bradshaw or some of the club, but, and I'm sure winning a Super Bowl means a lot to them, but, Having met the Troopers, I know that winning a championship meant just as much to them as anybody. They carried around with them. It's in their email, their email handles, like their their uniform numbers. It's in it's in their you know their it, 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 it's kind of a, a constant. It's a present in their lives. And you know who can say that? One of the players I met was Gloria Jimenez, who played for. Uh, eight years for the Troopers and then played for the uh, later incantations of Toledo football, uh, we had a reunion. And um, there were cameras there filming things, and and and, and this woman came in. I'd never met any of them. I wanted to meet them. And and this woman is standing there, and and she got there early. Like, who who are you? What are you doing here? And she's like, my name is Gloria Jimenez, and I was a Toledo Trooper, and it's the greatest thing I've ever done. And, and it's just like, wow. who can say that? You know, who, who can, like, like, like right there be that present and, and, you know, have that, have that meaning. And so it's been um, an honor to, like, interview. I've interviewed, you know, um, over 50 people, players, coaches, referees, um, administrators, commissioners from the team and the league throughout this process. And, you know, I, I say in the in the you know I hope that what I've written or what I write does you know does justice to what they did because it, it's it's um you know they went 60 uh, well under Bill Stout they were 47 and one um, playing teams from you know of course regionally uh, Detroit Cleveland Columbus uh, and then and then um, you know they also traveled to New York Buffalo uh, Dallas Oklahoma City. Uh, when the league was kind of, you know, trying to get off the ground. So they played, anybody they'd play, they play, and they played to win, and they dominated. They were coached to win. Uh, Bill Stout was a, a remarkable coach by all accounts, uh, by, you know, that's from the women and his players who, who really say that, you know, he really coached them up to be mentally tough and to play the game it was supposed to be played. His story is really, um, his backstory is remarkable. So uh, it's, it's so for me, it's been, you know, it's been an honor to kind of um, tell the story and, and um, you know, specific to, to the Toledo Trooper story, 
it, you know, go kind of a deep dive into their their existence and and, and how they, um, you know, their whole story from 1971, really through 1979. Um, so that's that's kind of a little thumbnail sketch of the whole thing, and that um, comes out in, in, in August. And um, that there, there's also a documentary. Um, by the same name, We Are the Troopers, that's being shown at, at it's kind of being shopped around at film festivals right now, and uh, it's going to be played in March here in Ohio, and hopefully, you know, you will be able to watch that someday. Um, so there's, there's you know, a lot, of, a lot of exciting things happening. Hey, we should also note the exciting news today with uh, the Women's Football Alliance signing a contract with ESPN2 to show the, the championship game in, in, Jul- in July, I believe, July 10th. It's already in the schedule. So it's interesting, women's football, and, and you know, no, you know, uh, and thanks to you guys over there, really kind of, you know, uh, getting the word out and, um, uh, you know, showing this untold history or, or maybe, you know, un, unheralded history that's right here uh, among us. Well, Steve, interesting for you to meet all these people. I mean, we talked to Lindsay, as you just noted too, she talked to, you know, various individuals as well. And she was kind of blown away and enlightened about, you know, that piece of, or that little window of, at the beginning of the sport. Right. Cause now we're so, uh, when I come into play, you know, it's 2009, right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a little different. Social media hasn't blown up yet. Uh, now we're at a different stage. Of course, the, the, the two leagues, are a little bit more dominant, you know, and, and, and they also have sponsorships now and things like that. So we've evolved ever, you know, from the seventies from what you've written about, but this is a really uh, key piece of history because if you take the NFL in scope, I've always said, you know, it's eras, right? And this is one of the the eras of the beginning. Uh, We can go back to the thirties in some instances, right? Because there's, there was also women playing in the thirties and the the forties and the fifties and, you know, all that. But the, the league, that you're talking about or the, the transformation of the sport, you know, with the interest of the women, as, as you had noted before, I, I believe on your Ohio, um, I watched your uh, documentary with the Ohio where they interviewed you. And um, I think it's uh, Mr. Stout uh, kind of breaking down everything as well in terms of historical sense. But Steve, did, did it catch, did, did it overwhelm you or did it just, you know, you sit there and you have to just kind of like sit down and go, Hey, I'm, I'm writing something of real significance here on a sport that is not well known at all. Well, like Lindsay, it's it's been you know a goal. It's like uh, it's just like treasure. It's a treasure. Like how mm-hmm. how could how could a writer not get excited about this? And uh, again, you're guided by uh, trying to get the story right and honoring what they did. So uh, there, there's 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 that in it too. You know, you're doing it for them and for for also uh, because it's just such a fascinating story. So. Uh, as a writer, you know, you're guided by those things that get you up in the middle of the night to, to you know, get to the next thing. And, and then it becomes this thing you carry around that you have to finish. So, uh, or have to, you know, you know, honor. And uh, so I, I would say it's like that. Now, Steve, I'm going to bring in the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis here, kind of dive into it as well. And she's been playing for a long, long time, uh, still not retired, yeah. even though I know she wants to retire. Uh, but she's not retired yet. But uh, let's bring her in, and she can't. Uh, she's obviously she can't. kind of <laughs> in schooled on the uh, Toledo Troopers as well. So uh, have, have her pick your brain. Oh, great! Hey, Hi, Steve, Holly. How's you doing? I, you know, 
great. I was reading your blog, and I love this quote. I mean, like, talk about the like what they felt about it. It's like, uh, you know, there are bigger things in football, but we can also agree that it's part of who we are. It really spells out like so many of the players I've met. It's so it's just ingrained in them. They they carry it around. It's um, so so nice to meet you. Oh, very nice to meet you as well. You know, I uh, got my degree in history, so this is right up my alley because I'm a bit of a history nerd. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I have to say on behalf of all the players, past and present, we definitely appreciate anyone that wants to spend this much time researching and telling stories because it's so extremely important to the, um, you know, to the history of the game and also the future of the game. So thank you for all this work that you've put in. Um, so I just had a couple of questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I really am, this, this team in itself, I'm really glad that you're, you're uh, focused on this story because I've always been fascinated by it. Uh, I've met a couple of people that have been, you know, either on it or a part of it. Um, and one of the things that, that was always fascinating to me Having played a long time, one of the best things about playing is your relationships with your teammates and how it becomes basically kind of the equivalent of like a fraternity or sorority where you come from different backgrounds and you still have this connection. Did you find that this team had that kind of connection and that they're still engaging today? 100%. Um, Did you you say that you've had – have you met some troopers? Uh, yeah, it's on around uh, Mitchie, of course. Um, I think yeah, I've talked to a couple right. other people. But really, Mitchie's been the main one. Um, you know, I mm-hmm. met her a long time ago. Um, she's such, man, she's like a walking, like, football history book. She's awesome. Yes. Um, so she's terrific. I really yeah. enjoyed talking to her. Um, but, yeah, I really was just curious because I, I know that you spent a lot of time talking to these people is that something that you found that they had a really close uh, connection? Absolutely. Now, so uh, when we were trying to make a movie and, and trying to, to like drum up a lot of support, we held a reunion and we did some research through a lot of social media connections. And this is a you know we weren't sure who was going to show up. We, we 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 reached out. There were eighty about there were eighty two women who played for the troopers throughout the 70s and we were able to locate about the 70 of them you know um right through social media or whatever and just just hey we're having this reunion in toledo uh, uh want you to come on by or hank and and i mean how many do you expect to show up to this event um i think we had 200 name tags and i don't even think we're gonna you know we won't peel that many well we ran out of name tags after 400 people showed up at this event (laughs) and and they had to move it because the whole building was going to collapse because it wasn't big enough to hold all of the people that came out of the woodwork and that means players that means fans that means people who knew who were following the story back in the 70s and since then, in 2013, they're, you know, of course, they're, they're now bonded on Facebook, and there's a, a Facebook group that they, they're always posting, a, like, updates of this person or that person. They have a weekly – I'm sorry, not weekly – a monthly breakfast gathering at a diner in Toledo that, uh, I mean, if you really did your homework, you could find out where it is and meet, you know, perhaps, you know, at any given event, there's maybe 10, 12, 15 troopers coming back 
to have breakfast together. So, yes, they have remained very close. The documentary, um, We Are the Troopers, um, which I wrote with uh, Guy Stout, the coach's son, uh, was sort of commissioned by an anonymous donor who was a real supporter of the team and the story. And um, they, we had a, a showing for the event at the Valentine Theater in Toledo in September. And, you know, there were, I mean, I, I think that theater holds 800. It was about half filled, maybe not, maybe a little more than that. Um, but they all came back. And, I mean, they want, I think, I think like you said, um, you know, they really, really honor that the story is out there because it means so much. And if it can be sold in a movie, in a book, in a, in, in a documentary, uh, it's, it's, all, it's just all the, all the more exciting to the people who lived it, I think. And um, so, yes, they, they, they are a fraternity. They are a sorority. They're like, like a family. I, I liken it to maybe if you were to go to, like, I don't know, a, a group of veterans who'd, who'd been in battle together. And they come back, and they just right. have this bond that um, it's it's uh, it's you can't I can't explain it, but it's powerful, and it's in and and we call it like you know to, to be around them is to get trooper fever because it's it's really remarkable um, that that what they did and, and how proud of they are what they did and, and how much it meant to them. That is that's really awesome to hear. It's. You know, it's kind of funny since I'm one of the older remaining, not older in age, so to the older and experienced players left playing. There's there's a few of us still playing that have played a long time. But mm-hmm. um, I always tease my teammates because um, I'm like, oh, back when I first started playing, you know, this was happening. And, you know, and it's always kind of that joke. But these, these women really, like, lived <laughs> way more than I did. And so I think it's a really awesome thing to see some of those stories brought to life. Uh, when you were uh, researching for this project, was there what was the most funny moment? Did you find any really funny moments um, when you were talking to people or, or any uh, moments of humor? Sure, yeah, there's some great ones. And most of them have, have to do with uh, getting hit. You know, getting just absolutely right. plastered uh, on the field. Like one, uh, um, uh, Ruth Zuccarell, who played uh, for the Troopers, uh, you know, uh, 75 to 79, she talks about getting hit so hard in her, one of her first practices. By Gloria Jimenez, she was hit so hard that she was knocked out before she hit the ground. And, you know, <laughs> It's just like just totally like, hell, here's the game. I'm going to try this. But then you're playing against somebody who's a little more seasoned in it and trains and knows how to hit. And she was absolutely knocked knocked out, but, you know, smelling salts, got her wits back. And <laughs> but but really as a baptism of the game, that was, you know, that's that's how to play the game. You know, you got to hit hard and and um, and, and protect yourself and, and um, but protect like hitting hard is a way to protect yourself in some cases. Uh, or in most cases, I should say. Um, but she laughs about that now as like a real baptism moment. Uh, Mitchie tells a great story of playing the Detroit, uh, the rival of the Detroit Demons, and, you know, it had rained, and there was a lot of trash talking between these teams, and they, they just despised each other, and, and a lot of bad blood there, and a lot of, you know, one, one game a fight broke out that ended the game. 
but in another game, it was raining, and Mitchie just kind of went for this girl from behind, tackled her, and and sent her flying forward in her face, face first into a put, you know, just and it splashed into mud right in front of the trooper bench. And, you know, right when everyone was kind of like on edge, it just was a statement, <laughs> you know, a statement like we are not backing down. We're not going to take any of your trash talk. We're not going to, you know, and uh, it was a humiliating tackle. And, it, it, you know, it kind of really set the tone for the game. I don't know. Those are those are a couple that, that stand out, you know, among others like, uh, you know, just getting used to the equipment. You know, this there were there were no mm-hmm. sports bras in the '70s, and so they used ace bandages, you know, for protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they used uh, uh, they would just fashion like styrofoam and duct tape elbow pads, uh, knee pads. <laughs> you know, um, they they did whatever they could because you know they'd learn from experience in the parts of your body that got hit and that hurt. Right. And and would 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 figure out a way to you know to get a little advantage on on their opponents the next game by a little more protection there. So um, you know a lot of it was was uh, um, just trying to uh, uh, make you know do whatever you could to to uh, to protect yourself and you know the equipment they were using was second rate hand you know a lot of it was hand me downs but still they were hitting as hard as they would with you know the equipment they have today. That's awesome. You know, that's kind of really interesting um, that you bring out those stories because I think it, it still applies today. Um, you still see every single person, and I think a lot of it has to do with most of us. There are some now, thankfully, but most of us are coming into the game later. And so you're kind of learning by trial by fire. You're kind of learning. Everybody has their welcome to football moment. And when it happens, you're, you're kind of like, whoa, but then later it is kind of funny. Um, and then everyone has yeah. the equipment where you're trying to figure it out. And I remember one girl a few years into me playing, um, we still had the girdles where you had to slide the pads in, and um, she made the mistake of putting the girdle on first and then trying to slide in the pads later, and it was really <laughs> funny. So everybody has those moments where – I think the longer you play, the more you see it. But that's really cool. Um, what do you think this team's place is in the history of sports? Hmm. Um, you know, they started before Title IX in 1971. Um, that's when, you know, Sid Friedman attempted to build this league around Ohio and the region. And, and then, t- you know, Title IX is sort of the, the, the lightning rod in 72, and that's when things really start to change. Uh, um, more opportunities, more scholarship opportunities for women. And m- they started before that. So they're, when they're starting, they, they really had no – they didn't have a lot of opportunities to play sports. They talk about, the you know, the Girls Athletic Association, the GAA, uh, you know, which is like this high school club for just doing activities, um, and there there was no sports like like we 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 have today, like you know around the clock and uh, you know, training and around the you know year round training, and uh, they they just wanted to play football and they had a chance to play football before there was any infrastructure that we're talking about that's going to help a, a player. 
uh, you know, excel or be trained or, or you know, uh, have opportunities to play in other places or, or grow from that. They didn't have that. They just they wanted to play football, and they signed up and they played in, in like the most you know you know you know hard knocks way as as Title IX is kind of taking shape and, and kind of getting more and more attention and and um, you know throughout the seventies. So I guess it's hard to say what their place is because the, the league ultimately folded, and um, they 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 still were doing it when they weren't supposed to be doing it. Uh, they were doing it well, and they were showing that women can play and hit hard and, and and play the game as it's as it's intended to be played or as the rules stipulate. And without you know the the, the sort of backing of you know, a, a program or a league or like a legitimized, league, like an accepted league. Uh, that's what they were trying to do is to build that legitimacy. Uh, and and, it, and it, it didn't happen then, but look, it, it might be happening now in many other forms. Will football ultimately, you know, make its way to, the, to like the NBA, WNBA level? I don't know, but, but they were definitely doing it then. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary, I think, especially that Title IX connection. Um, I think that's extremely important. Um, what has the, the reception of this project been so far? Uh, well, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I got luck. I, I wrote the book and, and, um, and, you know, got a publisher, and so they, uh, I'm learning about that process right now. It's a long process. I mean, my the book right. was essentially finished two years ago, maybe maybe more than that. And then finding a publisher, and then going through the process now, and then and then you know putting a publication date on it, or, or all these parts of this. Um, so I, we're just getting started. Uh, you know, everyone is is really excited about it that I can tell, and and I I'm excited about it. So uh, you're getting me at the very beginning. Uh, of you know, right. uh, I'll have to come back. You know, n- you know, next time when when you know maybe after the book is out and you know maybe more people have seen the documentary and things like that. So, uh, so I I I, I mean I, I think it's an amazing story and people I talk to like you guys I think it's an amazing story and I think I think more people are you know I I I, I tell it I tell it in that way. It's it's uh it's fascinating to me and. and um, it's part of history. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely think, you know, uh, once it uh, gets out there, I think people are going to really like it. Um, I always thought it was a fascinating story to begin with, and I, I really mm-hmm. think, you know, this is going to put more of a spotlight on this story. So I, I'm, I'm hoping and rooting for you that, uh, uh, you, know, you know, everything goes well on that front. Where do you think women's football is going? I'm kind of hogging you here, so this will be my last question before. No I pass problem. You no, I want. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your playing, and are you, are you playing for Utah still? Uh, yes. Or one, one more, one more year. You know. Last year was supposed to be. <laughs> last year was supposed to be the last year, and you know, I just like I didn't like how it ended. You know, we lost a close game basically on the last play before we, we, we almost got to the championship and I just I I just couldn't I looked around 
And I was like, it just doesn't feel right. So I was like, okay. And then my wife's like, you know you're just going to play again. And I'm like, okay, you're right. <laughs> so for real, this is my last time. <laughs> I've heard that before. That's what Mitchie said. I know, she, you know she, I know. She said I couldn't quit the game. She just couldn't quit. She played for the Furies, and then, you know, she's the kind of matriarch of of, of football in Toledo and other, you know, maybe – Rather around the country, you know, she's uh, she can't give it up. So it's really hard. It it really is, and um, so I get that, you know. And so when you watch players like in the NFL that have a hard time, I totally I can relate to that because it's it's just you know as you get older and the longer you play that you might not be able to do everything like you could when you were younger. But you know mm-hmm. you can contribute, and you're smarter. So I feel like the the players that play a really long time, like in Mitchie, you learn uh, how to use your 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 intellect as much as your physical ability, and you huh. still try to get as much out of that as possible because you're like, you know what? I just it's so much fun, and the excitement and like the experience of playing with your teammates, and it's. It's addictive. It really is hard. <laughs> and so I totally get that. So I, I relate to Nachi and all those other people. That, there are a few of us out there, you know, that, that are hanging on. And and then I know this is kind of the, the women's football joke that, that, you know, people will be like, oh, okay, I'm done. And then, like, okay, guys, I know tryouts are happening. And I just, okay, I'm just going to show up. <laughs> so that's usually yep. what happens yep. to people. Yeah, um, I, what's the state of the game? I, you know, I, 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 maybe stories like this, books like, uh, you know, uh, De La Cretas and Dark Angelos and, and my book or the, the documentary we, Born to Play. I'm sure you've seen that. Uh, yeah. Great documentary. Lieber, uh, Lieberman is the filmmaker there, um, which, you know, got some play, I think, on, on like, uh, like streaming major channels. Um, which, by the way, talk about like like great you know storytelling. Allison Cahill is the quarterback for the Renegades now. I mean, you talk about a football player, you know, uh, uh, you know that that just really uh, you know I think shows the dedication and 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 character of of players today and and back in the '70s too. And like yourself, who just live for it and love to play and and find you know transcendent meaning in it. So I, maybe you know we're 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 kind of the, the sun is rising a little bit there, um, because I, you know which is a great story you know so I, I'm yeah. be honored to be a part of that. Yeah, I think it's absolutely right. I always felt um, that my perspective after I got a couple of years into it and I realized okay I'm going to play this like a long time. I, I felt like my goal is to try to help leave the game better than what I found it. And mm. I feel like that's kind mm. of a, um, it's kind of a probably theme for a lot of female uh, athletes is that male athletes, you know, I always say they wake up and if you're a good uh, male athlete, you know, they clap and if you ate Wheaties for breakfast, they clap and the tension is just there. There's so much male uh, athlete attention that sometimes it's a problem. Um, but for female athletes, we have to work so much harder to even 
you know, get somebody to say hi to us. <laughs> so I think because of that, that makes the bond that we have with our teammates even more strong. And, huh. you know, there's this kind of, um, I think especially players that play a long time, there's this kind of feeling of like, you know, um, I want to help the game get to a point where the people after me can reap the rewards, just like the people behind me did. So you're kind of passing the baton, and we're hoping that this is going to get the game closer and closer to what we actually feel like we, we can get to, which uh, I do think we can get to the level of like a WNBA. I think that is there. It just It's, it's going to take some time, but we're getting there. So I think, you know, um, that's why I think this story is so important because it's really still relevant today because we're still fighting the same thing. We we might um, be fighting within different dynamics, but we're still fighting the same same fight. So mm-hmm. I think it's really an important story. You know, there's there was tea leaves back in the '70s too. You know, there was you know the Title IX and scholarships and uh, but it never really the the, the you know, the shoe never really dropped for football, but, you know, the NCAA, the basketball, volleyball, and, and all the NCAA sports really came along, and, and that's a great story. I think legislation making a difference, a profound difference in society. Um, but the, the shoe never fell for football, uh, and, and it has grown in many ways like the WNBA, Um you know, are, are there other areas? Will, will it come around for football? I don't know. Um, there, there, there are signs like the tea leaves today as well, like the one I mentioned. I think ESPN covering the championship game is a huge step. That's great. I mean, um, how about the Yankees hiring Rachel Balkovac to be a coach of their, you know, single-A team? Like you have a women now NBA coaches up and down the, the, the league. Um, and and um, so I don't know. Do those signs portend – uh, a growth of the sport. I hope uh, it, it just it just seems like we're heading in that direction, but slowly. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's more of a um, you know. Obviously, we want to get there as fast as we can, but I think that uh, when you encounter as a female athlete, yeah, I like to say if you encounter people that um, are critical of, you know, females being able to play sports or certain sports or whatever, that the best way to respond is by drowning them out with success. So the more you see the visibility of females coaching in the NFL, um, scouting, wrestling, and all the sports and basketball, you see it in baseball now, in leadership positions, if we just keep you know, drowning everybody in, in this exposure that women can do these things, then eventually, hopefully, that turns into a full typhoon. That's like, that's where I think it has to go. Um, so I think that it's starting to get there. You it, you see more and more youth programs. You see, because uh, mm-hmm. I coach um, kids uh, football in the fall mm-hmm. now, and I'm seeing more women involved in that. I see more girls playing. I see girls in high school playing. There's five programs you can get scholarships for. It's happening. Um, it's just going to take time, and hopefully one day the, the door just breaks open. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. I, I, I like, um, appreciate that. I, I think one of, the, one of the modes I was sort of trying to tell the story in is, is respect for what they did and, and like, you know, 
honoring, like, like what, what they did by playing was really valuable and, and tremendously, like, uh, it took a lot. It was athletic. It was, it was, it was, it was as, right, it was as valuable as, as a man doing this, this thing that has no intrinsic value, but what, whatever we culturally sort of say it means. So they're doing it too. And if I think we tell that story with that that tone and that 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 honor, I, I think you you can't but say, "Wow, that's really amazing." Oh yeah, and especially you know going back to that time period. I mean, um, we are here today because of what they did then. Like if they didn't hmm. do that then, we wouldn't be here now. So it all is connected in. That's kind of how it is in history, period, you know. But I yeah. really think that, that it's a, there's a connection there. So they were fighting during that time period within the constructs of what they were dealing with with Title IX and all that, and then we're fighting today. But it's all the same fight. We're just – the landscape might look a little different. We might use different tools with social media, um, you know. And I think social media has helped a lot, actually, the last 15 years, 10, 15 years. But mm-hmm. it's all the same thing. We're all it's all the same push, and so um, uh, you know I'm excited. I'm gonna go ahead and pre-order that book. Um, mm-hmm. Is it gonna be on? Um, are you gonna have a like a audiobook version too? Because uh, I like audiobooks too. So I was curious to see if you oh, had that. Oh, thank you. Coming up. Thank you. Uh, I trust there will be an audio version of the book again. Like I said. I'm- uh, you know, early in the process, we still have a few months before it comes out, so uh, that that'll be, I'm sure, part of the part of the package at that time. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. awesome. I like listening to books, but I'll also get the physical one too because it's cool to have the physical one. <laughs> well, thank you. All right, thank you so much. I'll pass you back over to Oscar. Oscar, sorry, right, I, I kind of had to. <laughs> so much. Uh, nice no, no, you, you're Holly. good. Thanks. You're good, Holly. That was good. That was awesome. Um, Steve, uh, uh, thanks for making the time. I really, really appreciate it. We really wanted to bring you on to kind of spotlight, you know, the Toledo Troopers, the the history, uh, the lineage, mm-hmm. and the and and what it means uh, to the game today. Right? Uh, we do have two prominent leagues in the states right now making ends roads in terms of sponsorship, yeah. in terms of TV mm-hmm. viewership, and and things like that. So. You know, there there is a uh, what do you call it a, a major positive now, right? We're streaming, like you said, going towards that WNBA goal to try to get on on a major network or trying to get some sponsors to to do that. So this is a, a key starting point, and I think the Toledo Troopers really, you know, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. We haven't even talked about that, but you know, just them landing mm-hmm. at the Pro Football Hall of Fame is is just a validation of all their hard work. Yes, and and uh, you know rem- they were they went to the Toledo uh, the, the Football Hall of Fame in 1980. They um, you know uh, Linda Jefferson and Mike Stout and Bill Stout, who were the coaches. Uh, they they took a you know a box full of of memorabilia uniforms, and they had a, a display set up in the Hall of Fame in 1980. It's you know the Troopers, the women playing football, <clears throat> and then when we tried to find it. Back in you know thirteen, started the research for the project. Um, couldn't find it; it was gone. You know, it just it just got relegated to the dustbin. And you know, people didn't know who had done it. But there's we have a letter that 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 proves that it happened. That that you know that says this happened. And so it was then, all the way back in the eighties, that happened. And then 
this summer, you know, the troopers came uh, to the championship game at Canton. They, you know, they, they like I said, they, they're, they're all together now. So they, they meet up, every, you know, once a month and they had this organized a big trip to the, to the game. And so um, that was, I think, really meaningful to a lot of them. And um, yeah, to put them at that place, I think um, it tells, tells an important story. Like they were, they were part of this, the football movement, but also part of, you know, what sports means to, you know, to us as Americans. Yeah. And, and football in itself, as Holly says, you know, it's literally more of a man sport in, in a lot of perspectives, but, you know, reading their story, it really puts a, you know, a emphasis on the fact that, you know, they, they broke the barrier uh, coach out, obviously, Set the set the benchmark for what to follow and what we have now. Mm-hmm. We have a lot mm-hmm. of talented uh, male coaches coaching women in, in all realms of the uh, women's tackle football. So that's you know a credit to him too to to have that vision and uh, all these uh, coaches now today that obviously contribute and, and try to get us to another level of awareness and bring attention to the sport and then fundamentally get all these uh, ladies involved in the sport and. They they're all in the same as Holly said we're all in the same boat here, uh, you know uh, us uh, in the media realm trying to contribute on our own end right. Uh, you got players uh, sacrificing their time and efforts to get on on rosters, uh, et cetera. So uh, we're still in the same uh, evolution stage, uh, and now the game yeah. is a lot more international than anything now. So we do have an international yeah, reach where now it's bigger than it was before. There's a lot of avenues, and, and there's a lot of exciting avenues happening. So that's that's also what guides, you know, me in telling the story. It's just, there's a, there's there's a vibe and an energy that I'm I'm, you know, swept up by. So that's that's great. So we appreciate you, Steve. Uh, uh, I know the women's tackle community in general appreciates your laboring, uh, just like we talked about Lindsay and uh, Brittany, and we also talked about Very, who did an amazing job of showcasing, right. you know, one of the probably one of the world's best the teams team. mm-hmm. on the planet, which is in Boston. Um, but, you know, everybody is contributing uh, to a little piece of the history that uh, nobody's aware of. But, you know, with your documentary, with the opportunity for the book to come out, uh, you're going to get it on Amazon. It's really inexpensive, $29. It's really, really inexpensive. $15 for Kindle. So if you like the, um, you know, the uh, digital version going to be $15 for Kindle, which is nothing. Um, so, yeah, I really encourage it. We do have the link on our uh, at the Hub, so you can go right there. And once it comes out, I believe you said it was going to be uh, August, right? It's going to come out? Correct. August, for the August 30th, yes. August. Yeah. So we're really looking forward to it. Um, just like me uh, me and Holly, we're always uh, picking up the books. Uh, Hail Mary's on, on its way for me. Um, and I know Very Lieberman, I'm pretty sure it's going to make a book out of that documentary as well, and we'll get to um, do that. So, uh, you know, a little bit of history, and once you get it uh, into your bookshelf and you get it and you read it, and you really appreciate the fact that, you know, all that uh, laboring and time has been put together, but you also appreciate the feedback from all the players that are willing to give you, you know, all the insights to make it happen. Absolutely, yeah. Glory to the troopers. They're great. All right, Steve, I appreciate you making the time. Looking forward to uh, coming back and talking to you about, some of the feedback in terms of how well the book will do, uh, the movie will do. Uh, hopefully it gets picked up on, you know, some major chains. AMC would be nice. Uh, it's a really good documentary, and 
it tells the story of, uh, like I said, an, an amazing players on this on this club and and that era that began, like you said, before Title Nine. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Hey, real quick, did, so I, did you see it? Have you seen it? Did you get a I saw chance? Are you going to copy of it? I saw a okay. trailer of the perfect season. Oh, the perfect season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the feature film uh, that right. we're still developing. But, yeah, that's, that's – uh, hopefully one day you'll see that in the theater. But, um, yeah, the documentary, We Are the Troopers, same name as the book. I think you'll really enjoy that when that comes out. If you get a chance to see that, that's, that'll be great. Uh, Oscar, thanks so much for having me. This is a blast. So, yeah, give me a call, in, in, uh, you know, after August, and we'll, we'll chat again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to bringing you back. No problem. You're always welcome here. So if you uh, you know need some, some some type of promo, or if you want us to blast out anything, we're always here for you. She so just message me on Twitter, or you can message directly on our uh, at the Facebook page. So I really really appreciate it. All right, thanks so much, Oscar. Have a great night. Okay, stay safe. Uh, we'll look forward to our another chat uh, once the book releases. Sounds good. Have a great night. Okay. All right. Bye now. Bye. All right, uh, Polly, uh, kind of a treasure, right? Uh, we got Hail Mary this this a uh, couple podcasts ago. We have Very Lieberman last year. Uh, it's kind of like uh, I don't know about you, but you know, if you're into history uh, in terms of any sport, uh, you always want to kind of dive into how things began and and how we're progressing, how we get to another level of awareness. And and I think this is you know him his laboring. Uh, Brittany and uh, Lindsay's laboring, and then obviously very uh, kind of nice for the last uh, what 36 months that we're getting all this uh, output. Definitely, you know, um, uh, because I got my degree in history, and I'm definitely a history uh, nerd. This is right up my alley. I love uh, historical pieces, uh, historical films, and I definitely have a love for uh, like the history of sports and, and various stories within that. So I, I just think, it, like you said, it's really important to know the history of where we came so we know uh, kind of where we relate to that and, and therefore mm-hmm. how we can move forward. Um, you know, like I said before, I always choke, you know, because I'm like, oh, you know, back in my day, uh, we had to ride – 13, 14 hours one way in a little van that we rented with everybody's bags. And, and, and now I'm at a point when, like, where I'm like, I can't do that anymore. Like, I'm too old for that, you know, sort of thing. But, or, like, there were a couple practices so Corvall- where we had to go to a car. is back in the day now? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was more um, – we didn't actually travel as much when I was with Carvalho, but, it, uh, the, like, oh, my first year with Portland with the Fighting Phillies, um, everyone called us the purple team because we were purple and teal. And we had to, gosh, we went to, so we were based in Portland. We went to Salt Lake two or three times that year, Vegas three times, L.A. once. And I think that was it, but that was, that's a lot. <laughs> and we mostly oh, yeah. rented little vans, and we would pile in. And I was younger at the time, so, I mean, I was sore, but it wasn't as bad. But now I can't do that. I can't, you can't pile me in with all these bags and stuff after playing a game and put me in there for, like, 16 hours. Um, I won't be able to walk. <laughs> so, um, But, you know, like, I would tell stories uh, like that. And then, you know, it's kind of funny because these women probably, you know, have even crazier stories. <laughs> so I think – 
Um, if anybody has ever loved the, the film A League of Their Own, I think this team kind of really represents the football version of that. And mm-hmm. so it's really cool to see, you know, some of these crazy stories like he was talking about, like your your first hit. Like everybody that's that's played the game remembers their first, like, welcome to football hit. I, like, um, you know, before I jump off here, my welcome to football hit really came in my second game. Um, I was playing mostly running back at the time in some corner. And my second game, the first game was fun. And there were so there was some hitting and stuff, but I, I really it was the second game and it was on kickoff. And this is my lesson of keep your head on a swivel at all times, especially on kickoff, because I was running down <laughs> and I was running in my lane and I was so focused on where the ball was going, I did not see something someone coming out of the corner and <laughs> she just lit me up and I got air and I didn't know how I was up in the air or where I was going. And then I landed, and I was like, whoa, that, okay, there's a slip-all. I get it now. <laughs> so I think everybody has that moment. And then that was my lesson, my second game of keep your head on the swivel because you don't know where people are coming from. <laughs> and so that that sort of story is why it's important to read uh, you know, this book and stories like it because you can find that connection. You can find the relevance in that, yes, these things are still happening today, um, and it's really cool to see that connection. Yeah, and, I, and if you guys go to the trailer, uh, Perfect Season, done pretty well. Uh, like I said, Steve uh, Guinan, he's done a great job with the book. Uh, uh, looking forward to reading it. Looking forward to kind of putting it in my uh, shelf and also, you know, reading it more than once because that's easy what happens to me. You get to a situation where you read it more than once, and you get, you know, you get addicted to a certain story and things like that. So he's done a great job, and looking forward to a successful launch for his book on in August. Go to the link right there on Amazon, and like I said, it's pretty inexpensive, thirty dollars for the hardcover, and you also get it fifteen dollars for Kindle. So it's uh, nothing expensive. So it's something you can really get to, and uh, hopefully everybody that's listening to us uh, goes by the book and helps Steve out as much as possible as well to spread the word out. Um, Holly, I know you got a bail, so appreciate your time. Thank you for the college feedback, and thank you for the great interview here with uh, Steve. And, uh, and uh, looking forward to his, his launch. Uh, his book wants to be successful. Oh yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, to reading it. Uh, and you know, like I said before, I like I don't know, I might be I might be kind of weird, but I like listening to audio books a lot. But if I mm-hmm. really like it, if I really like the topic. Um, I get the hardcover or the, the book as well um, because I think there's something I like about reading, physically reading the book, and I also like to be able to listen as I do other activities. I just think that's maybe that's me. Maybe I'm kind of a nerd like that. <laughs> but uh, definitely I think everyone should go either way. If you like to read or listen, I think you should go check it out. All right. Um, so, Holly, thanks again. We'll catch you here next week as we dive into uh, the 2022 season. As we, as we get an approach, the WNFC 2022, WFA 2022, we're going to get into, obviously, uh, Germany. We're going to start to get into Europe in the overseas and the IFAB World Championships, hopefully all the tryout information. All right. Sounds good. Have a good day. Thank you. Have a great night. All right, uh, Mark, 
the backseat coach in the house. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. Uh, can you hear me? Am I unmuted? Yeah, I had you unmuted uh, for a little bit, but uh, just to bring you on. Okay. But uh, no, uh, you're good. Oh, great. You're loud and clear. Oh, thanks. Well, I, you know, let me tell you something. I really needed a pick-me-up today. I had kind of a tough day. And oh, no. So, you know, I just, as I was preparing for the show, you know, I tuned in and I got to listen to uh, your your guest, uh, Steve Guinan, uh, riffing off with Holly. And uh, it was great. And, you know, it, it's really neat. You, you can kind of tell that, um, you know, Steve has been following women's football for a while, right? He, he mm-hmm. really has his finger on the, on the pulse of what's been happening in terms of, um, the, you know, the growing exposure of the game, um, the books and the movies that have come out in the last few years. And, you know, if he started this project like back in 2013 or even earlier, well, he's been, a, he's been in the game for, you know, seven, eight years or more. So you can kind of, I kind of feel like he's kind of one of us, you know, he's, that, that he is a fan of the game with this genuine interest and certainly a very deep, strong, emotional um, attachment to the troopers. And, you know, rightly so. Um, you know, I, I also feel very strongly about the troopers and, um, and just fascinated what they did and what they were able to accomplish. And as you were saying, Oscar, I mean, these last, you know, whatever, 18 months, all this in for, you know, sort of like insight and information that we're getting about, um, teams old and new have, uh, sort of just really um, elevated the, the, our own understanding about the cultural importance of what all these women have, have done from the 1970s to today. No, and it's a key element because when we talk about men's football, you know, we talk about the Chicago Bears of the 30s and the, the Green Bay Packers of the 60s or whatever, right? But when we talk of, you know, women's football, we don't we don't have that background and and you know Lindsey Brittany and and here uh, Steve early 60s you know I mean late 60s to the early 70s right and giving us that era back to kind of brainstorm back to how it was and you know how how far we've come so far right we're not at the WNBA level but you know we got two leagues that are obviously trending that way and hopefully one of the two leagues is going to break through and we're going to get to that professional level on a reality stage and so but. You know, their piece, his piece, um, Hail Mary, um, you know, obviously Born to Play is a big piece of the modern era, right, if you want to call it modern era. But, the, the you yep. know, Hail Mary and uh, We Are the Troopers is basically a, a historical uh, recall. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just very important not to, not to lose that, to, to be able mm-hmm. to document uh, that is – uh, you know, again, Holly said, you know, she was a history major, um, you know, prefer- preserving the history of the game it is, is very important because if you don't know where you came from, it's hard to navigate where you want to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, thankfully, to, you know, for people like Steve Guinan and, um, you know, Brittany Delacreta, they're, they're doing that. They're, they're, they're laying the history down. 
Um, so, you know, we'll all, we'll always have it. it it's not at, at risk of being forgotten anymore. And I, and that's no, I and think it, just a really it, huge thing. And it puts in perspective, all the sacrifice that all these uh, players have, you know, it, what it took for them to, for us to arrive, you know, in the early eighties and where we're at now, you know, and it's, a, it's more of an appreciation, right. In a lot of ways where the appreciation for the fact that this is where we're at now. And we have a little bit of uh, history now to refer back to and how things were and how the leagues have evolved and where we're at today. Um, like I said, uh, um, if you guys are listening, go to, go to Amazon. We've got the link right there at the hub. It's pretty inexpensive, $30. I mean, that's not a big chunk of money, and it's a valuable piece of history. And if you like it, it's $15 on Kindle. You can get it right away. Uh, also, audiobooks should be coming, as he stated before. So you can get it in, in three different formats. So really, really exciting and looking forward to his launch. And we'll, we'll uh, you know, archive it on our page uh, so that when it launches again, we'll refer back to the uh, – the link so you can go get it on Amazon, but you can get it uh, now and buy it today and you'll get your copy in August. So, so check it out and go to uh, the link right there. And we are the troopers, the hardcover uh, plus the digital format on Kindle. So you can get it right there. Um, Mark, uh, let's talk about this uh, WFA news that came out breaking news today. Um, ESPN two, the WFA pro will be on ESPN two. Uh, it's been on ESPN before, ESPN3, so I guess you want to consider this an upgrade maybe. Uh, and we were talking off air in our messaging board about how this is a, a more of an upgrade in, in a lot of ways because now uh, ESPN2 is obviously a, high, a bigger viewership, you know, in terms of span and reach. Yes, uh, it, it is. Um, it, we do know that the WFAs had kind of an ongoing relationship with uh, ESPN, over the years, a number of their uh, championship games have um, been um, broadcast on ESPN3, which is um, an on, their online sort of streaming platform. Um, in 2021, last year, uh, there was no ESPN. It was um, broadcast on FTF Next and um, their suite of um, uh, cable channels and online streaming. Um, but it seems like they're now back with ESPN for the uh, championship game, ESPN2. And that is a significant upgrade. There's no doubt about it. To, to be on the cable channel um, live, uh, is that's a big deal. That's definitely a big uh, upgrade over ESPN3. Um, now, as we were mentioning in our conversation um, offline, Oscar, no, we don't – know everything we don't know if there's going to be a rebroadcast of the show mm -hmm. uh, of, of the of the game um at later dates um but we did learn that it's going to be broadcast at two in the afternoon on sunday so that's a big change changing the 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 time of the game from saturday night to sunday afternoon um so that'll change things up a little bit um hopefully um you know, the, the fan experience at the game will um, um, be improved. Um, we don't really know all the ins and outs. Hopefully we can get Lisa King in here to, to give us a little bit of information about um, this, um, this new, ch you know, these new changes to championship weekend, um, what it means to have ESPN2 on board. 
Um, so it, it is a very exciting change. And we don't know if uh, they're still going to continue their for the fans relationship because uh, the schedule hasn't been released. So I'm assuming once the schedule is released, we'll get a full blown season, you know, uh, breakdown of what's going to what's going to get covered, who's going to cover it, things like that. So we're still basically what 90 days out before we get real news. I'm pretty sure the schedule is probably going to come out in middle of February or, or early March. So we're anticipating that information. Also, WFA News, if you missed the press conference uh, via Yarda 20, our, our Mexico network partner, you missed a press conference. It was the LaFi uh, WFA International uh, Agreement, where um, it's sort of a traveling type mentality where a WFA of all, a team of All-Stars will match up with a, a, a team of LaFi. LaFi is also going to get support from the WFA leadership in terms of helping out with any type of, uh, you know, support in terms of equipment and things like that. So uh, it's a great deal there because it's kind of like a, a mutual international type of effect, Mexico-USA type realm. And then obviously WFA International has grown in Europe as well, Queens League, uh, Gridiron, uh, uh, Gridiron uh, Coast, uh, Costa Rica, Colombia. So there's a lot of branches now that the WFA is kind of reaching out to other leagues uh, to help them out as well, but also the, for them to gain exposure as well. So they're making ends road there as well. So uh, interesting news. Go to the Hub. Get all the lowdown on everything that's happening in the sport every week right there at the Hub. The best network on the planet exists at the Hub. So if you're not there, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Get to the Hub, bub. That's what I'm saying. What Get to the Hub, for? bub. I'm going to have to make a shirt for you so that you can just post it on your on your page. Get to the hub, bub. <laughs> so make, make a shirt. Sounds like a great a great thing. All right, um, Mark, let's talk w, WNFC. Uh, I went through the Atlantic Conference, put my thoughts in uh, last week, so unless you got any different thoughts on the Atlantic, uh, my, my breakdown was really about the strength of schedules more so than anything. Um, you know, Houston having a big challenge, uh, Kansas City having a big challenge because they're in that Texas elite realm and region. So that's always going to be a challenge for them, right? And unfortunately, they're they're uh, what do you call it? I would say victims <laughs> of having <laughs> to face the champs more than once. So uh, I guess that it only makes your program stronger <laughs> in a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean that. You know, what can you do? It's pretty tough. But you know what? I mean, if you're going to improve your team and and become more competitive, you you got to have those tough games. You know, um, you know, Boston never complains that they play two games against DC and vice versa no. over the WFA. So you got to have that same mentality. You know, it, it, you want to be able to test yourself and stretch yourself, and um, go up against the the tough competition. So, all right, know, and, and in the West, you know, you got some tough teams out there too. So, um, uh, teams like. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I haven't looked at the schedules just yet, but you know, if you if you end up with Utah twice on your schedule or the or the Rebellion, you know, you're in for a challenge. Well, San Diego, uh, uh, much improved Las Vegas, right? San Diego, obviously the top dog in the West, then much improved yep. uh, Las Vegas. Then we have uh, who else do we have uh, at this point? Utah in the top five. So. And then uh, Denver making a claim that they're going to be back, right? Yep. Yep. 
So that, let's look uh-huh. at let's look at the schedule. Let's break it down, and we'll give our thoughts here. So San Diego, right off this nine cup loss, I'm pretty sure Nenji Martin and company looking forward to a return to Dallas, and uh, you know a revenge game if you want to call it that. Just back to Dallas. Uh, they're they're taking on uh, first week out. They're going to take on the Phoenix Prowlers. Then they get the Majestics, which Majestics were not as good as they were in the WFA. So I, a lot of work to do there in terms of trying to get up to speed. Uh, Phoenix, brand new team, right? Uh, right first year. So maybe they'll be a lot better this year coming up. Uh, Legends, reborn from the Bobcats. Uh, Bobcats obviously had a, hor- a horrible season, so we have no idea what the Legends are going to be like. Um, and then they get the Silver Stars, sort of like the key matchup right there in May. So uh, if you look at the uh, Rebellion, they could run the table again. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think really that the rebellion is going to have much of a challenge until they um, see the Silver Stars um, later in the season. Um, as you said, you know, the Prowlers were a first-year team last year. They struggled really hard. Like, uh, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to sugarcoat it. They did not, you know, they, they, they did not have um, much luck winning games last year. I mean, season. even they, they even had Jeff- Megatron, but I think it's just a, they were in their infancy. You know what I mean? they got to get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, first year is always going to be hard. Um, the Majestics, you know, I don't think they played as well as they expected to uh, last year. I think they're, I think if they can be healthy and all that, you know, um, they're, they're better than what they, they showed last year. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe they can give uh, the Rebellion, um, you know, a little bit of trouble. But, um, you know, I, ex- I expect uh, the Rebellion to come out on top. Um, and we get the Los Angeles Legends. We don't really know, you know, we, we don't really know much about them at this point. Um, we know what happened to the Bobcats last year. Um, and it was so bad that, you know, the, the league came in and, like, reorganized that team into the Legends. So mm-hmm. uh, kind of a wild card. Um, um, so I don't have high expectations from them. Now, maybe – by the last game of the season uh, here on San Diego's schedule, maybe the legends will, you know, have enough games and experience under their belt. Maybe they'll, um, maybe they'll be in, you know, in the thick of, of, of the playoff race, who knows. But um, as, as far from what I can see right now, it looks like the rebellion schedule is kind of cake right now. And when you look at Utah, the Utah schedule, also a very competitive schedule, uh, I think if Oregon improves, they get back healthy, they could, you know, be competitive. But the overall, uh, Utah gets the bandits. We look forward to uh, two Denver clashes, Utah-Denver clashes at the beginning of the season and almost towards the end of the season. So interesting challenge for the bandits, especially with upgrades from La Muerte and other players from last year They are coming back. So Denver really wants to make a statement. They got to do it week one, and they got to do it almost before the end, the end of the year. So, those could be two losses for Utah, but you got to beat Utah, right? That's right, and you know uh, Denver hasn't done it yet. So, but I do, I do like how that schedule breaks, you know, uh, breaks down for for Denver to have that like Utah is that litmus test, and um, you know I think the expectations in Denver are high, so uh, you know I think they they want to have Utah on their schedule twice. Um, I I think that's you know they have aspirations and um, that's a team you have to be competitive with 
if you're going to go anywhere um, in the conference. Um, Utah, as it is, you know, so, so they've got the Bandits. They also have the Silver Stars on their schedule, smack dab in the middle of their season. Um, and um, then it's get, it gets rounded out by the Legends and the Ravens, as you mentioned, Oregon. So Utah technically, uh, based on history, could run the table as well. You know what I mean on that side because they don't face San Diego at yeah. all. So we could have yeah. another clash of San Diego, Utah in the West final one more time. Would it be an interesting? We could, we could. you know, rematch. It's um, it's interesting rematch. that yeah, it's interesting that the Silver Stars get you know a single game with uh, Utah and uh, San Diego. And um, so those two games are – those are big games uh, for, for all those teams. Dion's going to be yeah. ready, Mark. You know Dion's going to be ready. <laughs> he already said it. A year later, you know Dion's going to be ready. He's, he's jumping <laughs> to get Utah and, you know, jumping to get out at Utah and San Diego, right? Those are two big dogs. If you're Las Vegas, you, you why, know, why would you not want to take them down? I'm pretty sure they were ready the next week after they got eliminated, sure. right? They were ready to come back for more. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that uh, Walters and, and Lee are, uh, are looking at that schedule and they're like, they're not, they, they, they want this. I know for sure this is the year that they're coming back and they're like, hey, we one step, they were just one step from the final, right, towards the final. So I'm pretty sure they're, they're, yep. that's what their, their goal is. Yeah, they were very close. All right, if you're the Majestics, Mark, you already put it in a nutshell. They get they get the Ravens. We don't know what they're going to look like. Much improved. If they get the running back back, uh, the running back game back, that could be a factor. Uh, they get the Rebellion, which is always a rival in the West ever since year one of the WNFC. It's always been Seattle, San Diego, pretty much going at it really, really hard. And then they're going to get Las Vegas. Uh, they get the Prowlers. We don't know what they're going to look like. And then they get the Bandits. So uh, technically – uh, I don't know what the Majestics are going to look like here in terms of roster, but uh, I mean they, they got the they, this is this is a tough schedule. It's a challenging schedule. It is. It's a challenging schedule. It's a good challenge, and I just I have this feeling in in, in my gut that that final game between the um, Majestics and the Bandits will have playoff implications. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at the schedule, uh, winnable at Oregon, if they, uh, depending on what the roster looks like, no, but winnable at Oregon if we want to give them that. San Diego, maybe yep. not so much. Uh, this Las Vegas, big challenge. Prowlers, winnable. Ravens, winnable. So to your point, yeah, they could, they could make the playoffs. Yeah, I, they could. I, I mean, I feel like for, you know, either, you know, when we get to that game, either Seattle – or the Bandits, or both, are going to need that game to to stay alive in the playoff hunt. And if you're Denver, you you lost the week one last year against La Muerte, and it literally cost you a playoff spot. So I'm pretty sure they're focused on hey, they got to they got to win week one, no matter what. They got to get to that. Um, then we go to the Phoenix. Much improved from last. Much improved this year. Hopefully. Uh, based on the roster that I'm getting, information that I'm getting, hopefully they'll be much improved. So they're going to get uh, San Diego right off the block, which is a big test for them. 
You know, San Diego is going to be a big, big test for them in terms of Phoenix. Then they get the Legends. Like you said, we have no idea what they look like. So it could be an even match there. Then they get the Majestics as well, kind of an even match there. Then they get the Rebellion again, and they get the Bandits and the Silver Stars. So really tough ending for this Phoenix team. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really feel like um, they have one of the toughest schedules here. Um, just considering, you know, in, in context where they're coming from, what, what season they're coming off of, um, you know, they face Los Angeles and San Diego and, uh, you know, they got the Majestics uh, and they, you know, I mean, San Diego twice, it, you know, man, it's pretty tough. You know, the Bandits are not going to be a joke either. You know, they get the, and you know, the Legends kind of a wild card. I mean, I think for the Prowlers, that second game of the season um, is really important. They're against the uh, Los Angeles Legends. It, it, it's kind of an unknown uh, team, and it's looking like the most winnable game on their schedule right now. So if they don't win that second game, it's going to be tough sledding after that. I, I think, Mark, the schedule, because of the way it is right now, six games, it, 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 I said it last week, it reminds me of the LFL, you know, because the LFL has four games. And so it's like you cannot drop two and then decide that you want to make the playoffs, right? It's literally it, every game matters now. Every game will matter if you want to make the playoffs, considering the, yeah. know, what, what we're doing last year. So I'm saying crunch yeah, time-wise, comparing it to the, to the LFL, which only had four games, it's like you cannot lose two in a row and expect to be in the playoffs. So here you have six games, right? So you can, you can drop week one, but you must win week two, you know, as an, as an example. It's like you just, you just cause yourself more pressure. So if you're Oregon, for example, you're at Seattle week one, kind of winnable. It's an evenly matched up uh, rivalry right there, right off the bat. You're starting a north, northwest clash, right? Then you get then you get the biggest test in terms of Utah, right? Week two, then you get Denver, uh, then you get, a little, you get then you get LA, then you get Majestica, and you finish up with Utah. So uh, Ravens did look pretty good last uh, last year offensively until obviously uh, the running uh, the running back went down. But we, obviously we'll, we'll know exactly where they're at as we get closer to the season. But it's this schedule is somewhat favorable to them because they get. They get three uh, three top uh, matchups against two against Utah, one against Denver. Everything else somewhat winnable. So if they can pull a victory off of a, a Falcon victory or a Denver victory, as an example, uh, they could be in the mix. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think you know, I think the Ravens' fortunes kind of turn on you know whether or not they can beat the Majestics if, if they're superior to the Majestics. Um, you know, if the Majestics come out and they're stronger than they, they were last year and, you know, maybe get an upset in one of those games, uh, you know, I don't know if it's an upset, maybe get a win in one of those games, you know, that could kind of screw everything up for the Ravens. But yeah, I, and, I agree and like, to your point. To your point, I agree, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think they've got a schedule here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of favorable in a way, but it's just it's going to be yep. a matter of how – how how good they come out, right? The, the roster wise, have much improvement fundamentally on offense. Uh, they had really good offense in, until the running the running back went down. If their running back had been in there, their scheme was somewhat nice. So it's it's just a matter of offensively 
and defensively uh, how well they're going to play. But they, they have opportunities there. And, and if they, even if they beat Denver and they lose to Utah twice, it's a playoff mode for them, which I think uh, if they're mm-hmm. looking at that schedule, they have opportunities for that. Um, the Legends, uh, holdovers from the Bobcats, plus maybe new recruits is what I'm hearing. And so the name, uh, I, I don't know if you want to put yourself at a bigger pressure than that, but uh, I'm assuming <laughs> L.A. Legends, right? Because uh, if you pull another Bobcat mode, uh, maybe the name change needs to change, right? Yeah, that I mean that's true. It's tough to live up to uh to that name. Um but hey man, as far as I know, the uniforms are already printed up. So so you better play No, I know. Legend, you know? So uh you get they they get Vegas first week out. Uh and then they get the Prowlers. We don't know what that's going to look like. And then they get San Diego, they get Oregon, they get Utah. Competitive week schedule and so uh i'm talking to you right now la uh it's called uh you got to show up <laughs> for that name you better show up because uh that you don't want to be known as the uh oh the owen owen six legends in in 2022 yeah they yeah they don't want that to happen um and man it's tough it's tough so that's one of their obstacles, right? That that schedule is pretty evenly competitive. I mean, besides Phoenix, maybe, you know, a winnable game there. Yeah. Every other matchup, Vegas, tough. Uh, Rebellion, tough. Oregon, probably tough. Utah, definitely tough. And then you got San Diego. So uh, if you're L.A., uh, you're going to be tested six weeks, <laughs> not just one week, almost six weeks. So, yeah, crazy. Uh, let's, yeah, uh, let's finish up here. Let me bring in Mac. Let me bring in Mac here to finish up here with you, uh, Mark, and then we'll dive into the NFL here. Um, let's, uh, Mark, let's finish up here. Uh, Vegas, uh, they get L.A., which we talked about. Maybe a good win, first win. Then they get Denver, big test. Majestics, maybe winnable. Then you get Utah, Rebellion, and the Prowlers. So uh, if you're Las Vegas, this is not a bad schedule. Yeah, it's not a bad schedule. I mean, you get your two toughest games kind of like in the second half of the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be no excuses. It, like, unless that injury bug hits, uh, there's no excuses. We should be seeing the best from the Silver Stars when they play the Falcons and they play San Diego. And they get through those two games, they finish up with the Prowlers, and, um, you know – Hopefully they're, you know, bound for the playoffs. And I expect that they will be. But we'll see. I mean, you know, they got – these are the matchups, I think, that, that we wanted to see at the end of last year to be on the schedule for 2022. Yeah, no, there's competitive. I think all the, I think the uh, schedules are pretty balanced uh, either on both sides, the Atlantic and the Pacific. So, uh, Mac, have you had a chance to look at the schedules for the WNFC or no? Um, I've gotten a chance to kind of glance at them. I kind of haven't had a chance to look into full detail. However, um, since we're talking about it, Las Vegas is going to have an interesting season. Just like you said, six or seven weeks straight, out of nothing but tough teams in, in competition. So it's going to be interesting to watch. If you're a player, Mackenzie, you were on the Nighthawks last year. But if you're a player, I think you welcome that, right? That that week-to-week 
where you're playing the, the top of the, maybe the top 10 teams because that's what the schedule looks like for them. Yeah, you know, if you're a player, you're you're welcoming that weekly challenge. I mean, you you kind of don't have a you don't have a choice, um, because if you if, I mean you do have a choice, you can either not play or not take it seriously. And everybody knows how we take football seriously here, you know, on the Gridiron Blitz podcast. So, um, it, I mean, it is what it is. It, it's a weekly thing. You know, you you welcome that challenge. You you challenge yourself and your teammates and your coaching staff every week to get better and better from week zero. To you know, to week ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, Mac and uh, Mark, let's let, let's finish up with Denver. Denver gets Utah first week out. Big test for them. This is this is a rivalry game for them, basically just neighbors. Uh, so this is a this is going to be a big test for the Denver program. You know, infu- infusion of some players from La Muerte, uh, and then they get da- they get uh, Las Vegas, another sort of a rivalry game right there. So two weeks of back-to-back, I mean, clashes right there. And then you get Oregon. We have no idea what they're going to look like offensively. And then the Prowlers. And then they get uh, Utah once again, and they finish up in Seattle. So, um, Mackenzie, if you're Utah, uh, you, you, this is what you wanted. You got it. And this is what it's going to take to make the playoffs. Exactly. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth, Oscar. You know, if, you're, if you're Utah, especially Utah, Seattle, uh, any of those top, those more top tier teams in the WNFC, you're you're welcoming that. Like it's just it's not it's not something you can just you know settle for. It's like just like I said with with Las Vegas, it's it's going to be a week to week thing. And when you when you welcome week to week challenges when you play any sport, that means you're growing. You're growing as an athlete. You're growing as a coach player, you know, whatever your role is on the team, that means you're growing, that means you're improving, that means you're, you want to test the limits. And that's what this season for the WNFC and the WFA both is going to be. It's going to be <laughs> – there's going to be a lot of upsets. There's going to be a lot of uh, sleeper teams. It's going to be – it's going to be wild. Hey, we don't know what WFA pro schedule is going to look like, and we'll break that down too once, we, once it uh, gets unveiled. But we're, you know, we're going to go through it as well individually, like we've done this. But uh, um, uh, Mark, uh, before I let you go here, uh, this Denver schedule is, uh, is, you know, if you want to make a statement in the WNFC, Denver would have to literally run the table. Upset week one, upset week two, right? They would have to literally run the table in order to make the playoffs right now, because if they lose yeah. three, three, four, four, two, I mean, or two and four, they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, as you had mentioned, you know, um, if you go 0-2 to start the season, it, it, it's hard to crawl back into the playoff picture. And um, unfortunately for Denver, man, they have two very, very tough games to start. But that said, you know, if they can be prepared, maybe they'll get an early upset over, over one of these two teams. Um, it's, you know... It, it's tough, but you know I also think that this is a challenge. This is a challenge that that they wanted. Um, we know that they have um, high aspirations. Um, so um, if they go zero and two, I mean I'm not ruling them out for the playoffs, but they would have to run the table after that. And the, yeah, they've got the Falcons saying. on that schedule twice. You know, so um, but you know no, what? This no is why pressure. We play the game. No pressure in Denver, I guess. 
<laughs> As my, my common line is, no pressure, right, Mackenzie? No, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, no pressure, you know. Ain't no pressure over here. <laughs> the, 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 says the girl that's munching. <laughs> I'm mad you know that. I'm so mad you know that. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you're always munching. You're always eating something. I know you already. All right. Um, I had to make a sandwich. No, of course. Uh, and they, I'm pretty sure Denver's <laughs> going to have to make a sandwich, too, because they're going to have to come out with some, a lot of mustard <laughs> try to get through that. <laughs> true, true, true. All right. So looking, for, looking forward to the WNFC 22-2 season. We broke it down. Uh, looking forward to the WFA Pro schedule because we're really interested in that division and how it's going to look like, especially with all the additions and all the new teams. So hopefully the WFA will you know, blur up the schedule here within the next three to six weeks so we can dissect that as well. So, uh, Mark, thanks always for coming in. Really appreciate it. Uh, always informative. Uh, everybody loves you because you're always on point. So looking forward to next week as we break down uh, Gridiron West too as uh, that week is going to come up and then they're going towards the playoffs as well. Yeah, that's right. A lot of exciting stuff going to be happening in Gridiron West in the coming weeks. They start playing games next week. Spain starts playing next week. And uh, if things go well in Italy, they'll be back on schedule next week too. Yeah, so interesting uh, Euro scene there. And then we're going to anticipate, we're anticipating, right, uh, WFA 2022. We got um, WNFC 2022, X-League 2022. Uh, also uh, in Mexico, uh, Elite Monterey 2022. We got Germany. There's just a lot of football coming for women's tackle football. And uh, you go to the hub, you want to get the lowdown right there at the hub. So thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Good night, Oscar. Good night, Mackenzie. Have a good night, Mark. All right, uh, Miss Salty, uh, Cowboys, Niners, revival rivalry, and uh, Niner Nation says they're going in for the kill at AT AT&T. That's what I'm hearing out here on this side of the coast. (laughs) Oh, Oh, wishful thinking. I'll tell you this, though. It will be a tough game. That's for sure. I'm I'm not discrediting anything the Niners have done. They earn their spot to be there just like Dallas is. I'll tell you this, though. Currently, Dallas is favored by six points. And I think the only reason why is because they are in AT&T Stadium. Um, Dallas has to get over the hump of losing in the first round. Like, it has to. Like, in order for people to take Dallas seriously, they need to win. Like, that's period. I mean, they're going to need to win anyway or the season's over with. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you this. I know uh, – uh, the uh, Hall of Famer Holly Custis and I are going to be going back and forth on Saturday. That's for sure. And you all, you, you <laughs> know how, how I get with my Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Mac talk. Mm-hmm. Mac talk. She's ready. Mac talk. Salty talk. She said she's ready, Mac. You're ready. She's ready. This is it. It's going to be for who 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 moves on. That's literally what it boils down to. Who moves on? It's going to be uh, it's going to be fireworks for sure. I'll tell you this. I think if uh, the 49ers start Jimmy Garoppolo, I think there's going to be a lot of problems over there on that side. I think if they start Trey Lance, they're going to have a little bit better of a chance. Uh, right now, Trey Lance seems to be playing more solid. He's more accurate. He's just all around being, he's being a better quarterback as a rookie. And that's no, that's no tea, no shade on Jimmy G. He struggled this season. 49ers have kind of struggled this season as of Dallas. 
Dallas isn't perfect. Dallas has a little bit better record. Dallas has a little bit better consistency. Um, it's just whether, you know, it, it's really going to be who, who, who wants them more. I mean, I can't say, you know, I can't say any more than that. It's, it's literally going to be Michael Parsons versus George Kittle. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be Trey, Trey Lynch versus DeMarcus Lawrence. You know, it's going to be Dak Prescott versus everybody on that defense. <laughs> so, and Tony Pollard well, doing what San they Francisco, do and that run defense over there. San Francisco really, I mean, I don't know what happened to McVay, but uh, I would consider that a dumbass move. I mean, you cannot get a first down. It's like, what are you doing, bro? You cannot get a, a Cooper Cup, OBJ, Higby, Michelle, and you cannot get a first down. That was just drove me mad. Like what are you doing? I know you was I know you were salty. I mean, do I need to do I, I need salty, to salty. you know virtually send these screenshots? That you, look, you were you were saltier than the salty one, and that's pretty damn salty, Oscar. I'm proud of you. Mac, I I have I was having high blood pressure. What the hell? You can't get a first down? What is wrong with you? Well, I'm gonna keep it one hundred with you right now, Oscar. I felt the same exact way Saturday night. Nebraska football wow. practice, okay, you know, because I, I commute. I felt the same exact way when Dallas and the Eagles were playing. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a trap game. Like, are they gonna, Dallas is going to ruin this for me. They're going to ruin my birthday weekend. And then I just happened, we, you know, we did our thing, had our meeting, whatever. I went out with, you know, with my teammates. And then I happened to just glance at the ESPN app. I said, oh, that thing says 51 to 26. I was mm-hmm. like, Hello. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. I like, I like the direction there this is going. If Dallas can play like that on Saturday, it's a done deal. Yeah, Niner D is going to be tougher. I don't think it's going to be that, you know, it's, you'll have a tougher test, of course, uh, with the for Frisco sure. game. Oh, for um, sure. I fully expect it. Do you feel like my Rams are going to falter against the Cardinals? The Cardinals, we stripped, we took the division from them, right? And Seattle literally punished them. Uh, if it wasn't for, you know, for us, you know, doing our blunder here, uh, you know what I'm saying? They they could have made it different. But you feel like this is, okay, the Cardinals are looking at it. And I'm worried. I'm worried that, you know, the way we played against San Francisco, we can't get a first down to win the game. And we're up by 17. And then we end up getting, I mean, I, I, Colin Murray, I mean, once he gets going, it's a way better player than uh, a Garoppolo all the way around. You know, it's it's hard to beat a team three times, Oscar. I'm not going to even lie to you. <laughs> it, it's hard to beat a team three times, okay? With that being said, if, if your Rams are sound and consistent, just like they have been, you know, taking the division from the Cardinals, I think you guys can do it. But you have to, like, like I said, it's the consistency and the mental errors. Like, the fact that y'all couldn't get a first down was mental errors. The fact that y'all couldn't get a first down was like the equivalent to Antonio Brown, you know, walking off the field. For no I could reason. not watch the podium, McVeigh on the podium. I could not watch it. I was so pissed. I was like, bro, don't give me excuses. That's literally what I was saying to the TV. Don't give me excuses. You suck. You're owned. Six in a row, you lost. And you couldn't get a damn first down with a stellar offensive uh, array of stars. Just ridiculous. Right. No, trust me, I felt that. I really, really felt that. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that when we when we played on Thanksgiving. Trust me. I wanted to go on a Nate rant 
right there and there. Like a Nate rant. You know what I mean? A famous Nate, a Nate rant, rant. Because I, I was just like livid. I was like, what are you doing? And and it hurts more, Mac, because this is our main rival. It's like losing to the Redskins on your end. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? This is, this is not right. Oh, my God. I just, ugh, yeah. I'm just saying y'all have to be consistent. Y'all have to, like I said, the mental error's got to go. Coaching mental error's got to go. Everybody, your entire team has to be a well-oiled machine. Nate, uh, surprised Seattle beat Arizona, or were not you were not surprised? Um, I'm a little bit surprised, uh, considering what we had seen the the you know the two previous weeks. You know, obviously it was Detroit. You know, we talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. You know, Detroit, Detroit, it, it was going to happen, but you know, seeing them have that little bit of a you know. A smooth ice skate. I, I almost had this feeling of what will that put their mindset in to face a team that, you know, because of where they're at, you know, kind of has everything to play for. And mm-hmm. somehow we came out, we executed well. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to put any excuses up for Arizona. I'm not going to say, oh, they had, you know, this substitute in and that, you know, backup in. You know, they, they came to play and somehow we just managed to. To, to play just a tiny bit better. I, I, I felt there was a few things a little too close for comfort. Uh, the Diggs injury definitely did me in. But um, at the end of the day, you know, yeah, I was, I was very, very surprised. Happy, obviously, but very, very surprised against a team like Arizona, who we've always struggled against. We actually looked actually pretty decent, uh, which was a, was a bit different for me. So, you know, we'll see where that takes the the off season and in the next year. But you know, nice momentum boost. I just I don't want them to look too much into it. I hope McVeigh has a better plan than he did on uh, on that day against the Niners because bottom line is he's got to, he's got to win this. It's a must win at Arizona now. Even though they won the division, this is a must win. It's win in in there and you're out, and that's not going to be look good for him. So, um, Mac, sh- shocked that the Raiders pull it off at that point to get into the playoffs or not shocked? Um, to be fair, the Raiders have been struggling since they beat Dallas like they, because they damn near lost that game. Let's just keep it 100. Um, with that being said, again, the season is well, up and down, up and down. But the Raiders took care of business. And you can't you cannot take that from them. The Raiders took care of business. Um, whether or not they're going to take they're going to keep taking care of business and you know keep moving on, that's a story you know that's a story to be seen. So, you know, wild card weekend is this weekend. So we're, we're going to see we're going to see what some of these teams are made of, including my Dallas Cowboys, including those Las Vegas Raiders. It's going to be interesting, Oscar. I'm not even going to lie. I'm interested in uh, how they're going to do in this next round against, I believe they get the Bengals. Because the Bengals, is, uh, they're playing really good ball right now, and Chase and Burrow. and uh, So, big test for David Carr right here. I mean, David uh, big test for Carr to try to get the Raiders over the hump. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be uh, lots of tests this weekend, lots of tests. Like, and it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. Like, I mean, Rams and Kyler, Rams, 
versus Arizona, you know, Carla Murray, uh, Stafford, okay, Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, and or Jimmy G, okay. <laughs> Joey Burrow, Lamar Chase, and <laughs> I mean, it's just, ooh, I just, I got, like, I'm kind of speechless at this point because it's just like, you know, some of these teams that are in wildcard weekend right now, like, none of us thought that they were going to be there. Like, I ain't going to lie to you. I didn't Agreed. think the Raiders were going to get there. I didn't think, I, to be honest, and I'm a realist. I might be a Dallas fan, but I'm a realist. I didn't think Dallas was going to was gonna be as consistent as they have been, with, even with, mm-hmm. you know, the four, the four or five losses. So, mm-hmm. that, that right there surprised me. So it's and like I said, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle of who plays the more clean, consistent mental mental errorless football. And what do you uh, what do you guys think of this uh, the matchups? So what do you think? Uh, Buffalo takes on New England. Nate, uh, opportunity for Jones to shine here uh, and put it uh, put enter the Jones era. Forget about the Brady era. Year one could opportunity. Josh Allen. This is this is his game. He has to win this. If he if he falters here, New England goes back into a deeper part of the playoffs, and and Jones is going to be elevated to okay. Forget about Brady mentality. I I, I would agree on that. This is this it's 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 go time. I, I mean, you know, what you know, it's twofold because one, you have you know a rising superstar who definitely would put himself past Brady status and you have a Patriots team that you know how often can we say they're in the they're in the wild card I mean 90% of the time we've been saying oh they're in the first you know the like the second mm-hmm. or you know third round of playoffs but they're in the yep. wild card this time so they've got a bigger ladder to climb and if there was ever a time to shine and show your worth it's right here right now and especially against the Bills team that's been finding it's on the last two years. Mac, and, and if we talk about the Steelers just barely getting in, they get the Chiefs Chiefs starting to get hot here and late in the season. And so it's a big test for Pittsburgh uh, with the offense. Uh, it's a send-off for Big Ben. Can he get into the playoffs, take down Mahomes, and get deeper in the playoffs? I think we're all wishful thinking in that sense. Well, you know, my older sister who happens to be a Steelers fan, for whatever reason, I don't know why she's a Steelers fan, but that's her squad. You know me. I love a good underdog. And I know Kansas City's favored by, like, 14 or something, 14 points. With that being said, just like you said, it's a send-off for Big Ben. And I don't think Big Ben is done. Has Big Ben struggled? Absolutely. You're damn right. But he's in. That's all that matters. You know, it takes one point to win. It takes one point to win, and that's what happened. He won by six of them. Mm-hmm. So yep. mm-hmm. I think you have to give credit where credit – you have to give credit where credit is due. And, and let's give credit right. to those Kansas City Chiefs because they almost lost the game against Denver. If it wasn't mm-hmm. for that that defensive scoop and score, they – to be honest, I think they would have lost. I mean, they still would have been in, but mm-hmm. it, mm, 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 mm. What what do you say, uh, Nate? Uh, Tampa Bay gets the Eagles. Should be a win for Tampa Bay. I think it's, they're the stronger team. But you know, Jalen Hurts first playoff game. Can we get a shocker here and and send the Bucks home? 
I would like to see a shocker. I, I definitely would love to see Jalen Hurts, you know, move on and do well. But, you know, we can sum this game up in one word, Brady. You know, he's thrived in the playoffs, whether, you know, wh- whatever spot they've been in, you know. So, I wouldn't hold my breath too much, but I do expect a good game out of both quarterbacks. It should be a classic, even though it's just a wild card. All right, uh, Mac, uh, calling it out. Uh, I, I, my Rams must win against Arizona. This has got to be, you know, they, they got to play right and they got to get it done. Uh, Arizona comes in here, nothing to lose. They already lost the division. This is literally more of a takedown game for, for them to take us down. So, uh, like I said, Murray's a lot more talented than Garoppolo, and that kind of worries me. Um, I mean, you're right. Kyler Murray is a dude. <laughs> I love watching him play. I was not very thrilled when he sliced up my defense, and then, for whatever reason, my defense and offense decided they was going to get it together. We still lost, but we lost by, you know, field goal rather than 14, 15, you know, whatever it was at half. Now, it is a must win. I mean, it don't matter. If you are in wild card weekend, right, you know, this coming Saturday, it don't matter who your fan base is, it is a must win for y'all to keep going. That's just how it is. Like I said, it's going to be battle of the teams who have the least mental mistakes. It's going to be battle of the teams who, you know, taken their, their time to rest. It's going to be battle of the teams who, you know, if you've got people coming back from injuries, if they're actually 100% and, and you know, ready to play. I, I agree, uh, but I think it, like to your point, it's three times. It's tough to beat the team three times. So I'm pretty sure Arizona's going to come in here with a, a revenge mentality. Uh, the Rams have to come in here with a must-win mentality, especially after last week's performance. So uh, very intense uh, wild card weekend of the playoffs. Really interesting rivalries as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I mean, this is this is a I'm popcorn ready, and I'm more nervous for my game than anywhere else. But I'm popcorn ready to watch everybody else's game. I'm stoked. Uh, I got to ask, Mac, uh, the 49ers, your Cowboys are on uh, CBS and Nickelodeon. Which one are you going to watch? You're not going to lie. Probably going to watch it on Nickelodeon. I ain't even going to lie to you. I'm a giant kid. Probably going to watch it on Nickelodeon. Right there with you. We're going to watch right it on Nickelodeon. Agreed. I mean, you Agreed. have to, like, you don't, like, you don't get to, you don't get to watch a football game on Nickelodeon very often. Like, one nope. year. Wild card weekend. And that's that's, so, that's that's my issue. I, I, I was begging them in the entire off season. I was saying, can we just get like one game a week or like a month on Nickelodeon? Yep. It's going to happen. It'll happen. If it's successful, it'll, it'll probably come back. All right, yeah. uh, guys. Uh, great, great breakdown of wild card weekend, key games in week 18. I uh, want to give a shout out to uh, Steve. Uh, Guinan, who uh, was the uh, the writer of the We Are the Troopers book uh, and the Perfect Season documentary, and we talked about that in the first hour. So go back and replay it; it's very awesome. And then uh, we did not we're not able to get Marissa uh, Lopez in here, so she apologizes. She something else came up, so we will try to reschedule that with her. But uh, you know, thanks to Holly for coming in here, give us the breakdown on the college football game, Georgia win over Alabama, and obviously the informative mm-hmm. AK Mark Simone. So uh, a lot of stuff happened in the last Go two down. hours. So we are giddy for 4.08, and we'll see if the Cowboys can be successful. My Rams can be successful. So uh, getting ready for 4.08, 
It should be a good one. So we'll catch you here next week. Thanks. is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.